Hello and welcome to Sticking to the Point, a podcast that aims to improve the understanding between acupuncture practitioners and their patients. I'm your host and friendly neighborhood acupuncturist, John McDonnell. Thank you so much for tuning in to the debut episode of Sticking to the Point. I uh, really don't know what to expect with this, but I felt called to throw my voice out into the the abyss, the ether, and see if anyone resonated with it. So uh, if that's you, thank you for being here. Before we jump in, I'll give you a bit of an idea of what to expect uh, in this episode. So I figured being our debut episode and all that I would start off with a little bit of an introduction to myself so that you can feel a little bit closer to me and like you, you know who I am if we haven't met before. After that short introduction, I'll give you an idea of what I hope to achieve with this podcast, you know, what it's here for, why I decided to create it, the role that I'm hoping to fill in the community. And then after those housekeeping bits, we can dive into the real meat of the episode, which is the first episode in a series called What Is My Acupuncturist Talking About? A guide on translating acupuncture jargon and kind of making sense of those strange words that your acupuncture might throw into a treatment that leave you scratching your head. So who am I and why should you care? My name's John. I've been practicing acupuncture for about six years now. I took a bit of a roundabout way of entering this field. You know, while a lot of my classmates had backgrounds in the Western fields of kinesiology, biology, nursing, psychology, what have you, my background was actually in Chinese language and East Asian studies. You know, I've always had a passion for foreign language and Asian languages specifically have always been really interesting to me just because of how different they are from from English. Um, I also had the pleasure of Growing up in a community uh, that had a lot of Chinese speakers, um, both Mandarin speakers and Cantonese speakers. So I was, you know, really exposed to that culture from a young age because my friend group was predominantly uh, folks from either mainland China or Hong Kong. So my interest in, in China and in Asia started quite early. So going into that degree uh, in my undergrad, I kind of thought, you know, maybe I'll go into translation work, maybe I'll work abroad and teach English, maybe I will go into some kind of international business, something like that. But as I approached the end of my studies, I, I realized that I wanted to do something a little bit more hands-on, you know, a little bit more related to people in a more direct way, helping people in a more direct way. But I didn't want to completely forget my undergraduate studies. So, you know, late one night I found myself scrolling through lists of after degrees. You know, I was coming up on graduation for my bachelor's and I was like, what, what do I do next? Where do I go from here? So I was on the McEwen University program list at the time, which is a university here in Edmonton, Alberta. And I started at the letter A and there at the top of the list, I saw acupuncture and I thought to myself, what the hell is that? And, you know, why is it being taught at a university? I knew nothing about it. So I opened the course calendar just out of pure curiosity and I saw course titles like Foundations of Chinese Medicine, Diagnostics class, Acupoints and Meridians class, Introduction to Herbal Theory. And, you know, I was baffled by these course titles, but very intrigued. You know, these... 
we're a far cry from the boring things like Stats 101 or Sociology 101 that I saw in a lot of other programs. So following this uh, spike of curiosity, I decided to do some research. Um, so I read more about acupuncture, about what it was, about the history of it. Um, I even went and got a treatment for myself just to see what it was all about. And, you know, even in those early stages, without knowing a lot about it, I could feel like something was drawing me in. Like, I didn't really know anything about Chinese medicine at this point. Um, you know, we, we didn't really touch on it in my, my studies of language and philosophy and culture of China. So, you know, I, I wasn't sure what it entailed, but I had this feeling like this program was exactly what I was looking for. You know, it was more hands-on, but still related to what I'd already studied. So I took a leap of faith and I enrolled, you know, much to the dismay and shock of my family and my partner. Um, but it turned out to be exactly that, you know, the perfect fit for me. It's, it's a dream come true. You know, my... My background in Chinese language was surprisingly useful through the program in terms of learning the acupuncture point names, learning herbal names, and it enabled me to kind of approach the material from a slightly different slant because, again, a lot of my classmates were coming from a more Western scientific background, um, and they obviously had their specific set of skills and strengths, um, whereas I was able to bring you know, some of mine. So here we are almost a decade later from, from starting that program. And uh, things have really come full circle. I'm not just a graduate of that program. I'm actually an instructor in it as well. I, I teach first year students foundations of Chinese medicine and kind of give them their first glimpse of what this field entails and the basic theory that they need to uh, move on through the rest of their courses from that kind of Chinese medicine viewpoint. So it's, it's been really rewarding and really exciting to kind of come full circle. Um, so one of the main sources of passion for me, apart from treating patients, is teaching and talking and sharing my knowledge about Chinese medicine. So that kind of leads me into my next topic, which is what is this podcast for? Why, why am I starting a podcast at all? Like, why do I feel like I need to add something else to the, the array of podcasts that exist. Um, so, I mean, the thing is, is that on paper, one hour with a patient at a time seems like a lot. You know, you'd think that you could fit a lot in when it comes to explanation. But I find that when it comes to doing a treatment, doing a diagnosis, getting all the information I need for my patients, it doesn't leave a lot of time each day to teach people about the, the lifestyle tips that Chinese medicine has to offer. You know, acupuncture and herbal medicine are great, but a huge part of Chinese medicine is prevention um, and just living your life in a way that is harmonious with the environment around you, the seasonal changes, etc. So it's difficult to fit all of that again into an hour-long treatment. So <clears throat> I figured that rather than trying to stuff 2,000 plus years of medical history and theory into these treatments, and overwhelming my patients with things that they're probably just going to forget as soon as they walk out the door. Why not deliver it in an audio form that they can return to? And why not put it in a form that other practitioners can use? You know, I 
love to talk about this. I love to answer questions. I love to share knowledge, but I know that there's probably practitioners out there who prefer to just focus on the treatment aspect and maybe they don't want to do as much of the education aspect. So I'm hoping that they can direct their patients here and say, you know, I think that you are suffering from a blood deficiency. How about you listen to this episode of sticking to the point that talks about blood deficiency and learn a little bit more. So again, I'm hoping that this can be a tool, not just for patients and not just for practitioners, but for, for both, and that you can hopefully both find some, some use and some, um, yeah, some, some benefit to what I have to say. Um, the other thing too, is that I think that here in the West, there is uh, a lot of misinformation when it comes to acupuncture and Chinese medicine, um, and then just simply a lack of knowledge as well. Like there are so many people out there who could benefit from acupuncture, qigong, Chinese herbal medicine, tai chi, what have you, but we're not really exposed to it in the West. You know, those of us that are luckily lucky enough to stumble into this field or into this this medicine, it's great, but there's so many people out there who just don't know what it has to offer and what it can be used for. And I think that the more we learn, the the less kind of preconceived notions, the less falsities will be spread as well. There's a lot of misinformation out there when it comes to acupuncture. You know, some people think that it's purely just this esoteric, hokey energy medicine with no grounding in fact or logic. There's other people that think that acupuncture is purely a placebo or purely used for pain relief and nothing else. Um, so again, I'm hoping to fill in those little gaps of knowledge and leave you with some digestible information that you can take and, and decide to incorporate in your life or not. Up to you. Um, all right, so I think that about covers who I am and what my goal is here. So let's dive into the real meat of today's episode, which is, as I said, what is my acupuncturist talking about? So I thought it would be a good idea today to kind of set the stage and provide some context of why acupuncture speak Chinese medicine jargon differs so greatly from Western medical scientific jargon. We have to remember that even though acupuncture is a regulated health profession, even though it is a valid form of medical treatment, and it has been incorporated into some pretty fancy modern style clinics, it is a medicine that has roots in prehistory. You know, sure, the ancients back in 2000, 3000, 5000 BCE, they may not have had access to single-use stainless steel, surgical needles, sharps containers, cotton balls, things like that. But the, the, the beginnings of acupuncture were there. The, the foundations that this whole medicine was built off of were there. And obviously the world was very different thousands of years ago. People were much more connected to their environment. People were much more, lived in a way that was much more harmonious with nature and the world around them. 
everything from farming to religious ritual to just the day the daily minutia of of living life was connected to the movement of the stars the change of the seasons the climate the local flora and fauna they you can't really remove chinese medicine from those early beginnings that kind of holistic nature-centered um lifestyle that ancient people had so even though we have made modern strides and we have you know maybe studied the biochemical effects of acupuncture what happens when you stick a needle into the body even though we have done these more kind of high-tech western studies to try and prove the effectiveness of acupuncture or herbal medicine and we have to understand that it wasn't created with those things in mind. You know, we're taking our Western scientific viewpoint, which is very reductionist, as in we are trying to reduce things to their smallest working components. So if you think about biology classes that you took, you may have started broadly with organs and then broken it down to tissues and then broken it down to cells and then broken it down into the organelles of the cells and what goes on within a cell. And you're, you're constantly taking things and breaking them down smaller and smaller and smaller and focusing on the, the micro level. Whereas holistic systems of medicine like Chinese medicine are much more macro, you know, focusing on the macrocosm and how that is echoed within the microcosm of a human being. You know, what are some natural cycles that exist in the environment that mirror our internal environment? You know, just like the earth has seasons, human beings also have seasons and stages that we pass through. Um, so the language that is used really reflects that connection. So. I think the one thing that I try to impart on my patients and on people that I'm talking to about Chinese medicine is just because the terms that are used seem archaic. You know, we talk about things like holding fire in the body or accumulating dampness in the body or things like qi or things like stasis of blood or stagnation of qi and blood. These things sound archaic. These things sound maybe mystical even, but they're really not. They're just thousands of years ago, people had not yet encountered microscopes. You know, they were trying to formulate a system of understanding, not just of, of the body, but of the entire world. And the only things that they had to work with were what they could see with their eyes. There were no high-tech tools. There were no ways that we could really break things down apart from what we could feel and touch and see with our senses. So the language that's used around the medicine reflects that. And that doesn't mean that it is less valid of a system. It doesn't mean that it's lacking as a system. It just means that it's different than Western scientific method. And it, and it serves a purpose and it has a role that it plays, but it's just different. And that's that's okay. The thing that I think you should understand as a patient, though, is that the job of a Chinese medicine practitioner in the modern world is quite difficult. 
because we are constantly having to reconcile two truths at once. You know, when we're looking at a patient, we are trying to figure out where they fall within the Chinese medicine system. You know, what is the state of the qi, the yin, the yang, the blood? How do we diagnose and approach this patient from a Chinese medicine perspective and categorize them in those terms? But then living in the modern world, we can't just ignore Western medicine. So we also have to think about the Western side, which is, are there any biomedical red flags that I'm seeing? Is there anything going on that I think is out of my scope or something that I should refer out and you know send this patient to either a different practitioner or maybe even the emergency room if we're seeing a red flag that is severe enough? There's a lot to consider. And then at the same time, how do we take the information on both sides and make it digestible for our patient? How do we explain things from both the Western and the Eastern side and integrate them in a way that a person can understand? And also, how do we integrate that into a treatment? So if you ever catch your acupuncturist kind of slipping up on their words, don't think that they don't know what they're talking about. Just remember that they are constantly doing that difficult work of translating very different systems back and forth. You know, your acupuncturist is constantly wearing two hats and, and kind of jumping back and forth between the holistic uh, Eastern system and the more reductionist Western system. And they don't always match up very neatly, as you can imagine. So it's difficult sometimes to find the words to describe some of these very complex medical ideas in a way that doesn't make us sound uh, illegitimate as, as, as medicine providers. So um, that is why you will sometimes see, uh, for myself at least, I'm just kind of assuming here that other acupuncturists are the same, but sometimes patients will feel the question or ask a question that is really difficult to answer because you are in your head thinking, okay, do I explain this in Chinese medical terms? Do I explain this in Western terms? Do I try and integrate the two? And it uh, it becomes a bit of a game. And it's one of the things that I love about the field, but I'd say it's also probably the most difficult part of the field. You know, if I could just go into a treatment room and treat a patient without having to say anything, and I could just go off of their intake form, their tongue, their pulse, and just give a treatment like that in silence, I think my job would be pretty darn easy. I think the difficulty comes, for me at least, in the the explanation in a way that is, uh, you know, to the level of someone who knows nothing about Chinese medicine. You know, because not only do we have to explain these things in a way that uh, makes sense, but we also have to explain them in a way that you're going to be able to understand given your... Um, you know, what I'm assuming is limited knowledge of, of Chinese medical theory. Another difficulty comes in the sense that Chinese medicine did not develop in a vacuum. You know, it's not a system that occurred without being influenced by other fields. So that's why there are so many references to Chinese philosophy, Chinese uh astrological practice, Chinese religious practice like Taoism, um, 
Buddhism. There's so many other kind of classical texts, fields of thinking that Chinese medicine was influenced by and, and also influenced in itself. So it's, it's also difficult to have a full, robust understanding of Chinese medicine if you don't have an understanding of Chinese culture. And not just Chinese culture in one specific time, but through history. It's, it's interesting because Chinese medicine is almost like a living relic, right? It changed and grew and developed over the centuries. But one of the ways of thinking that really differs between East and West is that Chinese medicine practitioners are constantly looking backwards. They believe that there are some really deep, profound medical truths that the ancients had figured out. So we're constantly looking back to these old texts, these ancient books uh, that are, again, thousands of years old for these nuggets of clinically useful information where we have this kind of reverence of the past. And while we are taking modern knowledge and trying to incorporate it with that ancient knowledge, we are still very reverential of, of the ancient classics and, and Chinese medicine as it was classically practiced. Whereas Western medicine, as you know, has a very forward-looking uh, point of view. You know, what is the next technology that we can develop that will replace this old thing? What is a new way of doing things that will replace or be better or make the old style of practice more efficient? Um, so we're essentially looking in two very di different directions when it comes to um, medical practice. So again, when we think about the development of Western medicine, you know, you may have heard of things like, um, you know, back in Greek medicine, for example, or Roman medicine, there was talk of things like the humors. And the way that they would practice treatment was by balancing these different humors, whether it was through bloodletting or purging or what have you. But over time, as that medicine developed, those terms disappeared because new theories were created that replaced the old ones. So rather than talking about the different humors of the body, we were talking instead about blood flow and um, the heart pumping blood through the body, da, 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 da. Whereas Chinese medicine, even though new ideas developed and new theories developed, we didn't really replace the old jargon, you know, terms like qi and blood and the five elements and the different vital substances of the body and the different names for the spirits of the body, those all stuck around and are still used. Um, our understanding of them has changed, but the terms remain the same. The terminology is pretty much the same as it was back in the ancient times. And certain things are lost in translation for sure. But um, again, the way that we discuss these concepts remains the same. Um, so that is where a lot of the confusion comes in as a patient. The last little piece to consider that can lead to confusion in explanation of our medicine is that it is a holistic system. So everything is connected to everything else. So one really clear example is our organs. So in Chinese medicine, 
each organ has a specific role in the body. So for example, the spleen and stomach are our key digestive organs. So if we see any decline in digestive function, we look at the spleen and stomach. But the spleen and stomach are also influencing other organs and influenced by other organs. So we have to look at the organs in relationship to each other. The other thing too is that there's no concrete separation between the mind, the body, and the spirit. So not only do each of these organ systems, like the heart and the kidneys and the liver, have physiological tasks that they take care of within the body, they also have mental, psycho-emotional, and even spiritual aspects as well. So let's say you go into a clinic looking for help with irritability, anxiety, bouts of anger, things like that. Your acupuncturist might say that you have, let's say, a liver imbalance. And you, you, you might initially think, oh no, like what's wrong with my liver? Do I need to go get my liver enzymes checked? Do I need um, to you know, go get blood work done? And it's, again, it's, it's not a one-to-one correlation. You know, when we talk about the organs in Chinese medicine, even though we use the same words like heart and kidney and liver, it's not a direct representation of the organs as they stand in Western medicine. So hopefully your acupuncturist is good at explaining, you know, I'm talking about the liver from a Chinese medical point of view or a Western point of view. Um, you just need to keep in mind that the roles that the organs are assigned is very different in each system. And the Chinese medicine system incorporates a lot more when it comes to the psycho-emotional and spiritual and those more kind of ephemeral, uh, subtle sides of, of organ functioning. Now, this podcast is called Sticking to the Point, so I'm going to do my best to stick to the point here and kind of wrap things up there. I hope that what you've taken away from this short little introduction is that dealing with Chinese medicine in the Western world, we are dealing with two very different systems that, you know, they can work together very well, but the way that we discuss them is very different. In future episodes of this podcast and of this specific series, What Is My Acupuncturist Talking About?, I'll do a deeper dive into specific terms. So we'll likely have an episode where we talk about what qi means and the different ways that qi can show up in health or in illness. Um, we can talk about each of the five elements or the five phases and kind of where those came from. We can talk about really common pathologies or patterns that our patients are diagnosed with. So your practitioner may have diagnosed you with something like a blood deficiency or blood stasis or qi stagnation or dampness, and you might be struggling to wrap your head around what that means for your body and what to do about it. So definitely, if you want to learn more about those kinds of things, stay tuned for future episodes and we'll, we'll take a more uh, reductionist approach and look at terms on a more uh, focused level. Um, but I hope you enjoyed today's introduction to the, the broader uh, reasons for why your acupuncturist uh, says what they say. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed recording this and I look forward to doing more. Um, it was really nice to kind of shake off the dust and get uh, in front of a microphone and kind of just 
you know, see what it felt like, but uh, I could get used to this. I really uh, enjoy talking, as you can probably tell. So uh, if you liked the episode, please uh, give it a rating, shoot me a message. If you'd like to contact me by email, my email is john, J-O-N-M, acupuncture at gmail.com. So that's John M acupuncture at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at John M acupuncture as well. All right. That is it for me today. So have a wonderful day, everyone, and we will catch you next time.